Welcome everybody to Jubilee Street. This is a music podcast with myself, Ian McCurtis, with my co-host, Jake Curtis. Hey everybody. And we talk about music on here. It's what we do. And today we are talking about the new Idols record, Crawler. Crawler. As in Nightcrawler. So, Ian, um, how you doing? How you feeling? How's, how, how's your week going so far? We're recording on a Monday. Yeah, different day of the week. I mean, this is a nice uh, early week treat. Usually, I got to wait till the end of the week to do this. So, I'm feeling, mm-hmm. I'm feeling good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something to look forward to on a Monday. I agree. I've been excited to talk about this record in particular um, for many reasons. Uh, I don't know if there's anywhere you want to start with it. I think that Crawler is far and away better than Ultra Mono as far as like the last effort that Idols put out. Ultra Mono, for those listening that are unfamiliar, is there, is it 2020 or 2019? I get the, I think it's 2020, right? I think it came out in 2020, yeah. Because I think it came out, you know, in the early days of COVID. And uh, you know what? Yeah, that's right. Because it came out like, summer of COVID, I think, and then they did, when I think people thought it was over or starting to be over, they did like some um, remote concert stuff where they like played the album in its entirety live, like on Zoom or something. I Here's what I remember about Ultramano. I listened to like the first six tracks and I listened to the shit out of the singles. I really liked the singles. I remember you saying that you weren't crazy about the singles and that they were kind of... a little bit ham-fisted, maybe? I don't want to put words in your mouth. What do you think? Uh, I think more than a little bit ham-fisted. I think very ham-fisted. And so I I knew that going into it, but I was still excited because I, I kind of dug the silliness and um, the sort of sloganeering they did on Ultramano. But... I only got like a little less than halfway through the record. I was I kind of lost steam on it, and I didn't end up coming back to it. And um, maybe I'll revisit it after listening to this one. But I feel like Crawler took everything they did on Ultramano, and then kind of tying it back to like earlier Idols energy from like Joy as an Act of Resistance. And Crawler's like a really it's a little bit long. I think that there's a lot of tracks that could be trimmed down. Overall, this is a way stronger effort than Ultramano. What do you think? Okay, so Idols is a band I've I've liked for, I guess not a long time because I haven't been around all that long. But I I I jumped on the train pretty early. I love Brutalism, and I don't know how I heard about it. Probably through some dumb Spotify algorithm, but I Punk heard it news. you know pretty much right when it came out. And I re-listened to all their albums in the past week in preparation. And I, that first record is like, if I was going to make, you know, best punk records in the past 20 years, like it's definitely on there. That record (coughs) is amazing. And then 
Joy is an act of resistance. Mm-hmm. Not as flawless to me, but still like a great record. Has some good songs for and sure. And I, and then it just dropped. Like I hate Ultramano. Whoa. And I I don't think I'm ever. Uh, I tried to never really be negative about music on this podcast because it's so subjective. But Ultramano is just so many things I dislike about music. I I just. Don't like it at all. And I don't think Crawler is a very good album either. But I think it is much better than Ultramano. And it's a lot more interesting. So there's mm-hmm. a lot, at least a lot more to talk about. I think it's a lot more ripe for discussion. Absolutely. And I would say if I had to do like a one sentence sum up of my thoughts, I think, I think Ultramano was lazy. I think Crawler was a big swing. Like, I think they were going for a home run. There was a lot mm-hmm. of ambition. I just think they missed. Which I think is kind of outlined from the very first track. Um, MTT420RR. Starts out really cool. And after reading a couple reviews and critiques of the record, sounds a little bit like what Warren Ellis and Nick are doing on the last couple Bad Seeds releases. Huh? What do you think? Well, they Idols loves Nick Cave. They mm-hmm. sing his praises all the time. So, you know, their guitar player, I can't remember his name for Idols. Uh, I have, like, Joe Talbot, the singer, is the one that gets all the all the press and whatnot. But also the same player, name. Go ahead, sorry. Their guitar player just, you know, if you watch videos of them live, he is a lot more crazier than Warren Ellis. You know, he's jumping into the crowd. And, but he's got... A lot of Warren Ellis energy. Mark Bowen. Grew up watching him. Yeah. Mark Bowen. Yeah, I I had it on my phone here. Um, That song, it's like, I like like the delivery. It was February. I was cold and I was high. Like, I mean. I think it's one of the best songs. It's a great opener. I disagree. I think it is too long. I think it's cheesy as fuck. And I think I, I think that like it's really cool. It should have been really cool for a minute. And then let the wheel fucking carry it. Like I, I I'm sorry, like unless you're a prog band, like you have to do something really compelling to play like the same kind of shit for five minutes and thirty seconds. Now when that drum break comes at the end, I'm like, okay, cool. All this anticipation you're building to something, but then it's like the ultimate like cavian anticlimax. Like it's just like you want something there and they don't give it to you. I liked that. But I but overall, I feel like it should have been way shorter because I think the wheel is an incredible like I think that that song would have been even more impactful if we didn't have to wait 6 minutes to get to it. I I feel that. I uh it I'm glad you me like it though. Song on jo- it reminds me of that first song on Joy is an act of resistance. It also builds and takes its time to get there. There's mm-hmm. a way better payoff on that song mm-hmm. than on uh, this, the first song on Crawler. I, I think a lot of times, like, you know, for the duration of this episode, when I say a song is one of my favorites, I'm usually talking about musically and instrumentally more than vocally. I think instrumentally, the song is just a, a different thing for them to do. I do think it's cheesy, but I think, man, if you listen to the first Idols record and listen to the new one, like 
listen to a couple songs from each back to back. It is like their singer is doing an impression of the singer of Idols. It's so he's become so much of a character. Yeah. Like there's it, maybe this is just me again. I know they they've only gotten more and more popular, so tons of people like him, and that's great if you do. I, I really, you know, I still consider this a band I really like, and I don't want to shit on them too much. But I feel like his voice has become so uh, caricaturized that a lot of the emotion on the first two records is gone. It just seems like now I'm silly British guy. I don't know. Well, I think they got really big, really fast. Even on the fast. more serious songs like this one, like it's still yeah. It doesn't feel as genuine to me. It still it feels like a character. You know what's funny is you're gonna hate this. It's gonna be a big I H Ian hates episode. Some of the inflections that he does with his voice on this record are very reminiscent to the post-hardcore, like, mathy, pretty singing stuff that I liked when I was, like, late teens, early 20s. Like, there are moments here where he sounds very similar to Anthony Green from Circus Survive, in my opinion, where he's, like, stretching his voice to some, like, expanse that I'd never really thought was possible for a guy who I thought, like, just had, like, the raspiest, like, courses like he he has such a unique voice and it feels like some of the impact is lost on some of these songs because some of them work really well like beachland ballroom i think is like a really cool standout on the track on the album um that's probably my favorite song and he's and it's cool and it's 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 not like it's like you said it doesn't really feel like they're trying to imitate a sound from an older past and i'm so glad that you explained what brutalism was because I've, I've, I didn't ever, I've never listened to that. I think I've heard like one or two songs from it. I think that's the stuff that Haley actually likes from Idols. Um, you would love it. Just knowing how much you like that Camadre self-titled, it's like yeah. a British version of that. Just like super high energy, super catchy, short songs. It's funny you brought that up because I was thinking about them while listening to this record actually. Um, we should, we'll talk about it at, off the podcast, but I've been thinking a lot about doing um, next year, like a month of Jubilee Street Essentials, and I think we should talk oh, about that'd that be one. Cool. Yeah, so yeah, for sure. Anyway, we'll table we'll that. that. Um, but yeah, this this is there's some really cool stuff going on here, like with that Beachland Ballroom song, like I was saying. But I do see what you mean, even without as much concept or I'm sorry, context to like what they were doing in the past, because I haven't heard all of Joys and Active Resistance. Um, But I've listened to most of that. I've seen like a Tiny Desk concert they did for NPR, and then I listened like half of Ultramano. Um, And I think I heard a single from Crawler, and I didn't know it was a single, because there was one song that sounded really familiar. So I feel like Idols very much wants people to see them as our generation's The Clash. And they even have... I know. A song on here. Ah, fuck. I should have It's the new sensation. When the lights come on, I think. Do the no, new they, sensation. They have a song where, the, where you know, they keep repeating Give Them Enough Rope, which is a Clash album. Oh, I think it's Stockholm Syndrome. I think you're right. It's definitely in the middle of the album there. Uh, yeah, it's Stockholm Syndrome. I remember that one because I like that line. And 
if if that's the light they want people to see them in, they're just not hitting that mark. I don't. I think ever since they got famous, I don't know if the, if it's like trying too hard, trying to be everything to a lot of people. I don't know what it is, but the Clash were able to juggle, you know, love songs with really direct political songs that did the sloganeering like you're talking about, like a song like Know Your Rights and really subtle songs like Straight to Hell talking about wars going on in Asia and, and doing it with a lot of grace and a lot of poeticism. They were able to juggle a lot of different vibes and it all worked. And Idols is, I like that they're trying, like there's a lot of ambition here. They're trying to do all those things. There's the really serious songs. And just none of it, it doesn't all work for me as much as I want it to. It's all like almost there. I know. Then when they do the same stuff where he's like, shake your tushy. Like, uh-huh. I feel like The Clash would have found a way to do something that silly, make it work. But it's just like so cornball to me when Idols does it. You have to wonder. I'm sure everybody thinks this. That's an Idols fan, but you have to wonder, like, the fact that they're working with someone like Kenny Beats in the in the studio, and I think Kenny was doing, like, production and, like, drum programming for them on the last record. Here, I think he actually contributes a little guitar, and then he's just mostly behind in the oh. booth. Um, and I have to wonder, like, Kenny Beats has kind of fallen off for me. Like, I really enjoyed that newer Vince Staples records, and that's all his beats. And I think that he's really good at making music like that. But I do kind of wonder, like, what exactly is he, like, is is this sound what he's contributing to idols? Because if so, it's not as interesting as their, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you've ever seen that Tiny Desk concert they do, but, like, it's a lot more, like, Kind of, it's a lot more like my style. Whereas I feel like Ultramano and this record feel very like they feel like studio albums. Like they feel like like if there were ever like a sellout record, this is like the closest it could come to being like compelling and good, but also sounding like that. And I guess yeah, I kind of wonder just feels a little less cool. Like I, Idols was a band yeah. that always felt so cool, and. There's and we know we're of, not the fucking coolest, all, all you listeners. But oh, for sure, you like, know, I'm not saying I'm. They're a lot cooler than I'll ever be. But like, <laughs> the, there's a lot of different like genres going on here. There's a lot of cool stuff, but it just doesn't feel as cool to me. And I, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of like an undescribable thing. Either it is or it isn't. I'd really yeah. like to know what Kenny Beats is contributing to. I think the drums on this record sound a lot better than Ultramano, and I don't know if. Kenny Beats had more involvement on this one or less, but like there's some really cool snare sounds that you wouldn't mm-hmm. normally find in punk music. And I'm sure I would think some of that has to come from Kenny Beats and coming from like a hip hop angle. But yeah, I'm just wondering like, what is he doing in the studio? What is he contributing? Yeah. And another thing that is bothersome is I feel like there's just a couple of tent poles that work for me on this record. You get to the wheel, and I love that. Can I get a hallelujah? Can I get a hallelujah? Like, I love that. Like, it's very like bad seeds, like to just do like a minimal, like impactful instrument with like a sort of like a canker sore of like a, like a lyric hit right there, you know? Like, 
Um, and then it kind of moves along and you get to Car Crash, which I think is a cool song. And then Stockholm Syndrome into Beachland Ballroom are great. And I enjoyed like Crawl and Meds. But I think Progress is the next one that you kind of get stopped where it's it's probably the most like quiet that I've heard idols ever be. And it's a lot of like kind of mumbled singing. Um, go, go ahead, Ian. I'll let you. I think that. that song that that's like that was one I was excited to talk to you about. I think that's the most ambitious mm-hmm. song on the record. It's great. It's really good. And it was prescient that we're talking about this right after the Radiohead episode because I felt like this was their swing at almost a Radiohead type thing. And I while I don't I, I can't say I love that song progress. I like I don't think it's as good as they probably want it to be. I hope yeah. they try stuff like that more cuz I was like I was like oh shit this is idols like this is not yeah. what I thought they would sound like and I would love for them to try something like this again. I think it was a really cool idea. It's, it's got that really cool like it's got like there's a lot of cool the bass player really kind of carry some of these tracks, I think. Like, the low-end stuff that they do on these records is is really cool. And um, progress, like, that sort of glitchy, loopy, like, like, like we've mentioned already, like the sort of, like, Warren Ellis, like, push the sky away or ghosting kind of, wa- like, wandering, like, wondering thing. It's like, what, five lines of lyrics? You know, even the lyrics uh-huh. are loopy. It just repeats over and mm-hmm. over and all the ideas of the song i think are great i just yeah wish the song was better but i'm really glad they made it similar yeah. to you know beachland ballroom like we talked about earlier just being something different like oh this is like a almost like a r&b style song and they figured out a way to make it idols i want i want them to do more of that I, yeah and i think that that is what a band like this has to do is they have to innovate. And I think that they are innovating. I just don't think they're really like putting enough coal into that fire. I think that they're kind of good. You know, I don't, I don't think they're committing enough to it because Mm -hmm. progress is so different for them. Mm -hmm. And I love a hardcore punk song as much as the next guy. Like that's my, my comfort zone. But for them to follow it up with that song "Wiz," yeah, is almost like a step back. Like it's such a whiff. Like let's retreat back to what we're comfortable doing. Like I want to see you keep. I think Idols has it in them to make like a, you know, at the drive-in level, uh, refused level of record that like can redefine punk. Like I think they're that talented. I just want them to like really go for it. Yeah. I think I I. I I think that's ultimately what was exciting about this is I feel like this is out this album is an indication that they they clear I mean clearly people did not respond to Ultramono like they probably expected. And with this one it sounds like they were swinging for the fences but I think in the process of like doing that they destroyed part of a fence that might have been working for them already and was kind of holding them up. 
and I think that they just barely missed the mark. Like, I think that this could have been a Juby contender had there been more tracks on here that weren't total, like, just, you know, just dusters. Like, they just, they don't work. It reminds me of when we were kids, the band Rise Against, they mm -hmm. were on Fat Records, and they were, you know, kind of a darling of, like, you know, a certain type of punk rock community. And then they, I think because of Guitar Hero, there was... Uh, oh, my God. They got so big. Yeah, they just became a radio huge band, like, overnight. Mm -hmm. And I think they decided that's who we want to be. We want to be more like the Foo Fighters than mm -hmm. uh, No Effects. And that's just the direction they've been. That was, like, 15 years ago, and they still play stadiums. And I yeah. think they're cheesy as fuck, but I respect them. They still they preach leftist politics. They're very political. They're they do good things with their money. I, I can't I can't uh, I can't dog on them too much. And I think Idols is kind of at this fork in the road where they got to decide: do they want to be Rise Against, or do they want to be? Uh, I don't know, just a more artsy band that like flirted with fame for a second and decided to like double down on being artsy. And either way they choose is fine, but this record, Ultramano and this record record seems like they're like they're not sure what they want to be, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, they're a young band. They have plenty of they have plenty of time to like be better. I mean, look how many people fucking love Tower the Creator now, but. Critics fucking hated all his music after he put... Like, he did that tape Bastard, which was pretty loved by critics. And then he did Goblin, Wolf, and then Cherry Bomb, which were all not really that well-received. And I, I, unless you were like, you grew up with those albums, I don't know a lot of people that listen to those. Typically, they listen to some of that older stuff, and then they, but then they're like Flower Boy, Igor, and... Uh, Call me if you get lost. You know what I mean? Like it's the same thing. Like people really yeah, fucking Tyler like Crater's brutalism. Like, what, 20, 28, 29. Like these dudes are flirting with forty in the punk world. That's old. That doesn't world. mean any. I mean, in the punk world, sure, but I do think that, like, given the tenure, their tenure, and that they like the people that they have connected with, I think they have a good shot at remaining relevant for a long, long time. And I think, I think that do. this is just the tip. I think this is the tip of an iceberg, and I think they can either. Like you said, maybe they'll just move into Rise Against territory and then there will be this whole other group of people that are like, Idols is the fucking shit. I saw them at the Yum Center and they blew my mind and like they still do cool political shit, but they just happen to make music that's a little bit more, like, more digestible, I guess. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just think that this is... But the, I think the problem though is like, there are bands who are enormously famous like that that also make music that's compelling. And I think that's our issue here is that a lot of this music just doesn't feel as compelling as I think they want it to be. Um, I think that it is, there is a lot of this album that is good and there's some of it that's very good. Like, I like I've said before, I like Progress, Beachline Ballroom, Stockholm Syndrome, The Wheel car crash and then honestly I like the end I think that like I love I would love to like sing along to that like 
what does he say? Like, despite it all, life is still beautiful. But it's it's his voice is so compelling. Like, I think that's what is a little bit disheartening about a lot of these songs. Is like I'm listening to him in the car over the last couple of days, like you know, running errands and um, you know, going to the grocery store, and I'm like man, like this is so close to being something I want to listen to all the time. Like, why isn't it? I couldn't put my finger on it. Yeah, I I mean, I'm just in the same boat as you where it's like really close to being great. And there's just little things that fall apart. I, throughout this week as I was listening to it, this record in particular, because I think lyrically he's trying a lot harder. Like, I think he's trying a lot harder to be poetic. And it reminded me a lot of uh, the Lawrence Arms, who are one of my favorite bands. Brendan Kelly is a lyric writer. How he can uh, he can go highbrow and lowbrow at the same time and really make it work. He can uh, mm-hmm. like they have this song I love called uh, "The YMCA Down the Street from the Clinic." That's about this just loser old guy that lives at the YMCA, basically, and just people who like capitalism and society kind of forgets about you know and yeah they just you know and it's a really like beautiful great song but then there's there's lines in it where he's like uh i sit in titty bars and tweet and text and look at nudes and jerk off in the dark like he can Mm -hmm. straddle this line of writing a serious song with a really silly lyric and make it work and I mm-hmm. think that's what I was going it. for. They just, they're not, it's just not quite there. Yeah. You know, I can't help but think that some of this feels rushed. Um, and I wonder why Idols seems to have a sense of urgency to remain relevant. And I think maybe because they didn't, maybe in hindsight, they didn't love Ultramano. Maybe they were I like, think, well, let's put something else out there. That, uh, you know, I don't think they've like full out been like, Ultramano's not good, but it seems like they kind of distanced themselves from it. And there's one song, Model Village, that they said they're not going to play live anymore ever. Because I don't know if you knew this, Jake. I, I didn't know it until this happened. I guess Village, in the British sense, uh, saying a village is kind of like saying redneck, like the country. Oh. Which I, I didn't realize. So I, I guess the song is kind of. I thought the song was kind of like making fun of suburbia, but the song's yeah. making fun of like rural people. Oh, which is not something I like. I hate it when, you know, the punk the punk community in America does it too. Like where they act like every person who's not from a city is an idiot and a racist, and I, I hate that. So I get why they yeah. don't want to play that song anymore. Yeah, I got that shit a lot when I moved here. People found it very funny to ask me how much I liked Mitch McConnell and, you know, call me like a Southern Fed and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, it's ridiculous. People like to tease people. Yeah, there's racist everywhere, there's progressive people everywhere. Mm hmm. You know, I'm trying to see if there's anything else I had in the barrel for this one. But, well, I'll say on, on the macro level, like, I know I've criticized this album a lot, but I, I really, I hate nothing more than a band that does a really good job at a mediocre thing, like just some boring indie rock band that does a really, writes really good 
generic mm-hmm. songs, but they're like tight and the tones are good and the production's great. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I would rather hear a bad version of an album that's ambitious. Mm-hmm. I, I would rather hear an album like this that's like really, this album is really trying for something. So I do applaud that. And I would rather hear this album than a perfect version of a mediocre, of a boring thing. Right. That's kind of how I felt the whole time. I was like, this is still, and to anyone that's like, why are you guys even talking about this? Like, typically when we we talk about stuff on this pod, it's usually, we usually don't hate it. And we usually want to talk about it so that you all check it out because we like these artists and it might turn you on to something new. And that's kind of how I felt. Like this, I think after Ultramano, I was like, I don't really know if I'm going to fuck with like idols ever again. But Ian was like, hey, let's do the new record for the pod. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I started listening to it and I started hearing all these like other bands and their music. And I kind of got like inspired listening to this because I was like, wow, this, I like how jagged this feels. I like how unfinished it feels in some ways. Like I like how they're simply just trying to do something new and it doesn't always work, but a lot of times it does. I don't think that there's a lot of dud songs on this record. I think it's all enjoyable. Some of it's better than others. Jake, it's, it's similar to why we were obsessed with the Joker movie, right? Because we didn't really Mm -hmm. like it, but we were like, there's so much ambition in this movie, you can't help but like marvel at it. It's a similar thing here, where like, even the songs yeah. that don't work, you're like, oh, but they, they look at all the stuff they're trying to do. Like, it's fascinating. Yeah, and I don't know if you knew this, but I guess the like one of the conceits behind this record is that Talbot almost died behind the wheel of a car in like a car accident. I guess that's what the first track is about, and then it kind of gets touched on throughout the rest of the record. Um, at least on the car crash one with that, the song with that title. Um, and there is sort of a similar like barreling energy to a lot of these tracks where it feels kind of like, it feels a lot like, like they're like that beach one ballroom feels a lot like that, uh, music that plays whenever they go into the red room in Twin Peaks or whenever they do like any sort of investigation stuff where it's like do 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 like the mm-hmm. like Angelo Badalamenti stuff like there is some really cool like inspired stuff on here going on but um it's not bad and i i think that a lot of it's very interesting and um you know i'm definitely curious like more than like politics like what may have been you know, sort of invigorating the band lyrically and like uh, influence wise, like what they might have been listening to during the making of this record. Yeah, it's definitely more personal. And I think that's as, as a, a band of like white men, you know, blah, blah, blah. I I think a lot of times it'll be more personal is probably the right way to go. I think. Mm hmm. That, that kind of sloganeering thing is really hard. Like, The Clash did it really well. Rage Against the Machine did it really well. But mm-hmm. it's hard. Like, it's... More often than not, it fails. And I think this route where, you know, there's there's political stuff here and there, but it's coming from right. more of a personal uh, vantage point. I think that's the right way for them to go moving forward. 
But what do I know? What do I know? I mean, I I do think this band; these are all really smart musicians, and they're gonna make another great album. I'm sure of it. But I think in the meantime, so too. But in the meantime, go listen to Brutalism. Yeah, that'll be my homework. I'll have to check that out this week. Um, so, listeners, you do that as well. But also check out Crawler. Like, this is our this is our podcast. Like, we like to talk about music. Not everything we have to say is positive, but I don't believe that everything that we say is negative. Um, just fun to talk about music. And, you know, if this ever, like if Idols, someone from Idols ever hears this or something, like, we fucking love Idols. <laughs> we love your band. And this is just us as fans, like, you know, we've been given, like, we've given ourselves the platform to talk about this stuff. So if you don't agree with us, fucking write us in to, not the band, I'm not saying that to them. Uh, I'm saying if anybody doesn't like our opinions, you know, we love to hear from you and we love to talk to you about it. That's the whole point of this. It's a discussion. So we have a pot, we have an email, jubileestreetpod at gmail.com. Yeah, I don't think either of us, you know, we didn't start this thing to like shit on music. That's not well, we ch- fun. I mean, we changed the direction of the podcast specifically for that reason because we were giving number ratings to a lot of these Nick Cave songs and then we decided we wanted to kind of branch right. out and talk and not not pigeonhole ourselves too much thematically. Um, right. So this and, is probably the most negative I've ever been. And it's, I'm still, there's, I'm not saying this is like a worthless piece of art by any means. There's still a lot going on here. I just know what this band can do and I know they can do better. But again, that's better for my taste. Like I, I do realize that like, I think this, especially in England, I think this is like a radio popular, like huge band. And I'm sure mm-hmm. for a lot of like high school, middle school kids out there, this is like these albums are changing people's lives. So that's great. That's interesting that you bring that up because I was thinking about like, had we been 19 when this album came out, if we would be saying the same things? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure this is like how AFI hit me in eighth grade. I'm sure there's a lot of kids in middle school right now and Idols is like, holy shit, like, we didn't know about, mm-hmm. like, all this political stuff. We didn't know music could be this raw. Mm-hmm. We didn't know, especially with the Kenny Beats connection, there's probably people that yeah. didn't even listen to rock music that are checking it out because of Kenny Beats. And yeah, exactly. That's always a good thing. And I say that with no irony in my voice at all. Like, that's great. Well, your voice would get pretty heavy with all that iron-y in it. Yeah, uh, sponsored by a new supplement, iron E. It is iron mixed with ecstasy, and I fucking love it. <laughs> uh, Ian, that's all I got for this one. Um, I was pretty excited that we got our first Ian hates on this podcast. So yeah, hashtag Ian be hates. A, It'll be a new that's quarterly, a, new, uh, a quarterly review. It'll be a new quarterly, quarterly, <laughs> quarterly, quarterly. That's right. Hashtag uh, quarterly, quarterly. Quarter. Quarterly, it sounds like we're saying Corey, Corey. <laughs> uh, yeah, make make a make a TikTok of you saying quarterly, quarterly ten times fast to win a free uh, blue bandana. What if the uh, what if the snitch shows up from Harry Potter or the Quaffle? The sorry, Quaffle, huh? Quaffle, Quaffle, quarterly, quarterly. Uh, hey, everybody, we had a great time talking about um, Idols Crawler today. Go check it out. If you like it, buy it. You can buy it on their Bandcamp. Listen to it on Spotify. You can check out Jubilee Street Pod at 
Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you find fine podcasting listening apps. We're available on Instagram. We've got a link tree in our bio there. It's at Jubilee Street Pod. You can click the bio. It's got all of our links. We've got a YouTube channel that we are very, very like slowly updating. Um, as we have moved back to being mostly remote, we aren't doing videos as much, but uh, I'm sure it's something we'll do again down the pipeline. So keep an eye out for that. And then all of, other, all of our other links are there. Leave us a five-star review for Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify, all that good shit. Thank you. We love you. I, I want one. La- I got to check in uh, follow up real quick from our episode a week or two ago, the Radiohead one. We talked about this uh, free art piece they were putting out on PS5. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to say to any gamers out there, I think if you have like Steam, if you're a computer gamer, or if you have PS5, the Kid Amnesia exhibition thing is incredible. It's this virtual museum you walk through and it is just one of the coolest like art pieces you'll ever experience. It plays with your perspective, it plays with lighting, it plays with all sorts of stuff you could only do in a video game but through this, you know, lens of like you're being at at a museum. It's just a really cool experience. It's free, so download it if you're a gamer. Great recommendation. So yeah, that's it. Uh, Goodbye, everybody. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Jeez, you just can't shut up about kidding.